This is your host, Vernon Terrell with Grace Ministries International, and it's time for Walking Free. And I'm glad you're back for another episode. Wasn't that good talking with Mike Haswell over these last uh, two weeks? Just to get a feel for uh, his journey as the Lord revealed to him different these different personalities uh, on how we interact and think about money. It's so interesting. I hope you take advantage of uh, what Storing Treasures has to offer. I wanted to continue the topic just in a very short uh, way uh, to maybe tie it up just a bit on this idea of money. And one thing we said in the uh, prior podcast was money is not evil. Money's not bad. Money is, in most cases, absolutely necessary. And so money uh, isn't the issue. In fact, when there's relational trouble, and you, and we see it all the time, uh, when folks uh, are having challenging relationships, often one of the issues is money. And as Mike was explaining, it's not money. Money is not the problem. Money's not the issue, the main issue. Yes, there are times, I mean, Again, money's not bad, and it's you know it's not a bad thing to want to increase your revenue, if you will, your income. It's not a bad thing. But when it comes to the the challenging uh, or the fights that happen about money, it's more about how we see money. It's more about understanding one another, and that's the issue. Do I understand how I'm wired to? see money, to deal with money, to handle uh, money? Do I understand my spouse or my significant other, how they're wired to see money, to handle money? Can I talk and seek understanding first and talk through what we both may see if it's a relationship? And there are struggles there. Can we talk first? Seek to understand first. Man, you can you get uh, on that level. So many arguments start to fade away because we start to understand. It doesn't mean there's not any more challenges to deal with. Absolutely. But we seek to understand, and we. And we set the ground rules that, hey, I'm on your team. You're on my team. We're in this together. Let's work through it. But money isn't evil. As Mike mentioned, it's the love of money that is the root of all sorts of evil. That's what Paul wrote to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 6.10, he said, it's the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Money has 
always had an, a very enticing lure to lure us away. And many have wandered from the faith after this love of money and this always longing for more and to have more and to have more things and sometimes it's rooted in a sense of security that if I have money, therefore I am secure. Is that true? Well, there's this sense of logic in that argument that if you have more money, you can be more secure. But where is your ultimate security? It's in Christ. It's in the God who owns it all. So I wanted to just briefly talk about this idea of money and our faith, money and grace. If you have debt, as we said, you're not less spiritual. Is debt sin? Not necessarily, not really. Is debt ideal? No. Does debt have consequences? Yes. Are you less loved by God if you have a lot of credit card debt? Not, not in the slightest. But there's consequences with that. God longs for you to be free from that. So you can take steps to get out of debt. And you talk, if you're in a marriage or a relationship, you talk with what's the best way of doing that that works for, for both of you. But you set your sights on getting out of debt and loosening your that bondage that seems to strangle everything you want to do financially anyways. So yeah, getting out of debt's a good thing. Get out of debt. Doesn't make you any better. And if you're in debt, doesn't make you any worse. But it does give you more opportunity as you get out of debt, right? What about saving? There are some who are naturally wired to save, others who are naturally wired to spend. It's not a good or bad thing. It's just kind of how you see money. So is it good to save? Absolutely. Should you be like that, uh, like the parable of the man who, um, who put all his money in a storehouse and, and then that was full? And he goes, I need to build more storehouses. Put more money in that, in those storehouses and more money. And then what? He died. Do you want to die with all your money in storehouses? Or do you want to have a balance and have some storehouses? Yes, for when life hits you out of nowhere. But do you want to enjoy life? Absolutely. Enjoy the resources that God allows you to have and then be wise and save as well. And that's what you talk about with that spouse, with that significant other. If it's just you as a single, that's what you wrestle with. And you get folks around you that might have different perspectives to help you. Maybe where you have blind spots, you just don't see it that way. Get some folks who see it a different way and help you out. Or go to a, a ministry or an organization that can help you like storing treasures. That's why we brought them on. They're a great resource. Get some help. 
But again, the issue is not money necessarily. That's not the issue often is understanding the, uh, how we relate to money, understand that we're a steward of money, understand that I see money one way and someone else may see it a different way in terms of how we're wired. And that could be a, and that is a combination of our genetics and our upbringing, our culture, all of it mixed together. Call that your wiring. The love of money is the issue, Paul told Timothy. He was given, uh, in, in another second letter to Timothy, he was talking about uh, folks uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, he starts to give an idea of uh, folks uh, in the end times. He says, look, in the last days, it's going to be tough. There's going to be difficult times. And how does he describe those difficult times, those last days in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, well, in verse 2, men, women will be lovers of self and lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. I mean, that's a pretty scathing description, wouldn't you say? This is what it's going to be. It's going to be difficult times. Is that how your life is described? And for those who are believers, who are those who have who are in Christ, who've received the free gift of forgiveness and life, if someone looked at your life, would they describe that as a lover of self, a lover of money, boastful, arrogant? If so, you've been deceived, my friend. And you're perhaps trying to get these needs of security and value and significance and love from everywhere else except the one place you already have it. And that's your Heavenly Father through the Lord Jesus Christ who has made you secure, made you significant, valued, loved, forgiven, accepted. That's who you are. Money's a tool. But for some, money's security. Money's a tool, but others, money is their sense of value. Where are you on that? What is money to you? It's just interesting how Paul describes the lovers of money and the lovers of self, lumping all these these people, uh, describing them in this one big, gnarly <laughs> description. 
of arrogance and unloving and unholy and no self-control, brutal. I mean, man, do you know who else was described as a lover of money? Yeah, I think you uh, you might have guessed it by now. Maybe not. Uh, in Luke, the Pharisees, Luke tells us in Luke 16, 14, the Pharisees who were lovers of money were listening to all these things and were scoffing at him, Jesus. They were lovers of money. Wait, the religious leaders? Absolutely. I think you might know some religious leaders who you might categorize as lovers of money. See, money's not the issue, but when we flip that switch where money becomes the end all, we're not operating out of grace. Money is good. Money's fine. Nothing wrong with money. But it's our relationship to money we need to look at. It's how we see and view money. I think Storing Treasures can help you get a, a sense of that. Storingtreasures.com. Check them out. I like what the author of uh, Hebrews tells us. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, he gives this warning, this admonition, this plea, uh, if you will, in Hebrews chapter 13. And this is what he says in Hebrews chapter 13. He really starts in verse 1 when he says, let love of the brethren continue. Love of each other. So why, do you, why would he even have to say that? Well, look around. Even today, it's an issue. They'll know you are Jesus. You're gonna, folks will know you're my disciples by your love one for another. How's your one another working? Let love of the brethren continue. I love, he continues in verse 2, says, Don't neglect, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. By the way, when you're showing hospitality, that is a reflection of how you view money and resources. Because you're sharing your home, or you're sharing your a meal, or you're sharing your financial resources with strangers. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels, didn't even know it. Now that angel could be supernatural celestial beings, could be, without even knowing it. That's kind of cool, isn't it? It could be... Um, that word angels is, talks about the angels or the messengers of the church in Revelation. Could be pastors, leaders. Show hospitality to all. You don't know who you're, who you're helping. That doesn't even matter. The point is show hospitality. Leverage your resources for other people. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them. I've physically been in the jail with inmates, and I've been in there when there's lockdowns and everything's locked. You can't get out. That's a weird feeling. 
But in, in this letter, the idea is there's some who are falsely imprisoned, but even those who are in prison for something they've done wrong, remember the prisoners. Remember, it says, don't forget them. Remember them and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves are also in the body as humans, as members of the body of Christ, remember those who are bound up in physical prisons, even those who are bound up maybe in emotional bondage, maybe those who are in financial bondage, those who are in spiritual bondage through addiction. Remember the prisoners. He says, hey, he makes this statement in the middle of it, which I think is that's an odd place to put this. But marriage is to be held in honor. Marriage is, hold marriage in honor. Doesn't say it's better. He said, but it's honorable. In, in some cases, back in the day, in their day, marriage was basically... Um, Though especially the wife wasn't an equal. It was uh, a barter system. It was another worker, a little above a worker, a little above a slave in that culture. But marriage is to be held in honor. It's an honorable thing. Jesus elevated women to be equal to men in a relationship. And man, that just didn't fly in that society. But the writer here is saying, look, marriage is to be held in honor among all. And the marriage bed is to be undefiled. You're to honor your spouse, not just physically, emotionally, emotionally, but intimately. She's your person. He's your person. And he says, fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Some people take that out of context, you know, like they're using that like a club. The point in this verse is, don't worry about that. God God will handle that. God's the judge of all of that stuff. Don't sit in his seat. You show hospitality even to the adulterers, yeah. To the fornicators, yeah. You love them, yes. Let God deal with the judgment part. You know Why? Because Christ took all of the judgment for all of them. You too, me too, but for everyone. And then in verse 5, the author of this letter makes the statement. Hebrews 13, 5. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. In what? In the context of our resources, of our finances. So make sure that your character is free from the love of money consumed with money, being content. That word content is the word to be satisfied and to have sufficient funds for your needs. 
And that sufficient funds is sufficient for yourself and sufficient to show hospitality. And that's why we talk about getting out of debt and having resources that, yes, you can save and you can enjoy life, but resources that you can share to support ministries, to support grace ministries, to support your church, to support that stranger that you can uh, provide hospitality and support for that particular need as God allows. So make sure your character is free from the love of money. Being content, satisfied, sufficient with what you have right now. Make goals to improve your situation? Absolutely. Live within your means. And living within your means doesn't mean living check to check, but it's getting to the point where you're living, where you can enjoy your life, pay your bills, have some savings, and support and share with others. That's what it means to make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have right now. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. I'm with you always. And that's a promise. I love that. So we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? And then in verse 7, he says, remember those who led you. Don't forget those who have shared with you, encouraged you, led you in the faith, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their content, uh, conduct, imitate what? Their behavior? Do what they do in their behavior? No. Considering the result of their contact, con, uh, conduct, look at their life. Absolutely. Imitate their faith. That's what we imitate. Imitate their dependence on Jesus Christ. Imitate their faith in the source, in the one who owns it all. Jesus Christ, verse verse 8, Hebrews 13, 8, is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ is the one who is the source. And that's who we are to trust. That's who we are to look to for everything. So that's what I want to encourage you with. That, yes, be content. Yes, better yourselves if you can. Be ready to show hospitality to all. But remember those who led you in your local church. Remember those who spoke the word of God to you and consider the result of their conduct and imitate their faith because Jesus Christ who worked in them, Jesus Christ who worked through the apostles, the disciples, through the early church is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be carried away, verse 9, by strange and varied teachings. 
for it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. I want you to be strengthened by grace. And that's where I want that's what I want to leave you with. Is that God is the God who owns it all. And he loves you and he cares for you. And he, above all, wants you to trust him. And I don't know what that looks for you in terms of your walk. But if you've been talking about trusting God and talking about moving forward, uh, maybe God is revealing some steps for you. And maybe it's time for you to stop talking about it and start walking. You've been listening to Walking Free, a production of Grace Ministries International in Marietta, Georgia. For more information, go to our website at gmint.org. That's G-M-I-N-T dot O-R-G.